Every gift God freely gives us is good and perfect, streaming down from the Father of Lights, who shines from the heavens with no hidden shadow or darkness and is never subject to change. God was delighted to give us birth by the truth of His infallible Word, so that we would fulfill His chosen destiny for us and become the favorite ones out of all His creation. Today I want to jump into, in fact, this is really a good jumping point to the, uh, this, it's called the power of blank, and so each week we're going to kind of go through a, uh, a teaching of what God is going to teach us. We're going to look at the book of James to do this, uh, but really this is what Jesus was doing. He says, you think this, but I'm telling you this. And so today's, uh, the title of today's message is the power of focus, the power of focus. Uh, this is the real thing, what you focus on, what you put your mind to, uh, you know, when you really think about something, when you put your focus on something, that's all you think about. Now, it could be a good thing or a negative thing. It kind of depends what your focus is on. Uh, but here's a fun story I figured I'd tell you is, uh, you know, I remember when the Lord convicted me one time of, uh, you know, he was just, technology was a big deal for me. And I remember I was always attached to my phone and, um, and it didn't have to be important or anything, but if, if it went off, I was constantly grabbing it. And so I carry my phone in my front pocket, usually unless I'm wearing a jacket and I'll put it in the inside. But you, most of the time it's in my front pocket. Uh, I don't like cases or, you know, cause it makes it too bulky. You got this big pocket sticking out. So uh, I love that they're getting smaller and thinner. It's just good for me. But uh, I remember one time I didn't have my phone and, uh, and the Lord really convicted me cause I didn't have my phone. And I'm telling you, my, my leg was ringing. It was, I mean, I had like, you know, they say like when you lose a leg, it feels like it's there. Like I, I just felt like my phone, even though it wasn't there, it was vibrating, it was ringing, it was pinging. I was getting texts and emails and it was not even attached to me. But so that was kind of my conviction. So I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but for me, it was in that moment. I was too attached and the Lord really showed that to me. And so, uh, but that's kind of, but the focus, right? The powerful, you don't realize until something is gone, how much you focus on it. That's why I love fasting. If you ever fasted before, you don't realize how much you think about food until it's gone. Uh, so God is able, you know, through doing things like that, uh, this is what I love about conviction. Again, this is my, that was my conviction. It's not that technology is bad. I think there's a balance there. Um, but for me, I was too attached. I was too focused. That was my, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I gave it more priority than anything, even gave it more priority than the Lord sometimes. I would go to the device for answers and things instead of going to the Lord, and that's not okay. And so the Lord convicted me of that as well. Uh, so today, the power of focus. I, James chapter 1. Uh, now, I, I do need to give you kind of a precursor. I do want to give you a challenge as well. Uh, as we're going through this series, it's about four weeks in length. Uh, I want you to read the book of James. Read it many times. Go, it's a short book, so you can read it. And it it's really is, uh, I want to say easy in the sense of it's an easy read because it, it flows well and it's understandable. We can all relate to James. It's very simple to understand. Uh, but the reason why I want you to read it multiple times is, is continue to ask the Lord, what are you speaking to me? Let him show you something different each time you read it. Let him highlight something uh, new to you and new to me. And so I'll, I'm taking the challenge as well. Let's read it. And look, it's not about getting a star because you read it more times than me. It really is just more about God. What are you speaking to me? What are you trying to say? And then, you know, it, it amazes me, no matter how many times I've read the book of James or scripture in general, something new comes alive. Uh, the Lord shows you something new. There's something else he's trying to speak. So, uh, so that's kind of the intention of it. Not just so you can read it 20 times or whatever, but more of God, what are you saying to me? What are you speaking to me? Holy Spirit, show me. Uh, but I do want to give you a disclaimer. James is a kick-in-the-pants book, all right? It's one of those ones, it just, it just hits you right in the heart. And, and the good thing is, is we can all relate to it, every single one of us, myself, you, uh, 
all of us, because we're all, we've all been saved. So we all have an old man, an old person, uh, and we all have a flesh, and we all have desires and pleasures and things that we like, but they may not always align with God, and we all have that reality. So uh, if you're sitting here today saying, well, I don't feel like a, I'm a, a good Christian because I struggle. Look, we all have struggled. We all have temptations. We all have uh, things, but uh, really, James is all about it. What's really great about James is he is the master of getting you to refocus, He's the master at saying, hey, you probably are going to react this way. You probably look at things through this filter with this focus. And I just want you to help you see differently. And I love that because James, if you don't know, James was Jesus' half-brother. So he would have grown up in the house. And by the way, James didn't always follow Jesus. He had to uh, come to the Lord and make him the Messiah, just like you and I. Uh, But there was a time where uh, James and Jesus weren't getting along real well. Well, James wasn't getting along real well. Jesus never sinned. Uh, So James wasn't getting very along. And they were trying to capture Jesus and kill him. It was during one of the feasts. And James said, yeah, yeah, Jesus, you go on right ahead. Because they were trying to stone him and throw him off the hill. If you remember that, that James was like, go ahead on up there, Jesus. He knew this was going on. And so, you know, there was... Family conflict in Jesus' household too. So uh, this is what I love about James. Is he's just very relatable. He's very real. He's very simple and he's very honest. Um, so I, I, I tell you that because uh, I just want you to know that you're going to relate to this. But it's also, it speaks about a lot of things in a short amount of time. And so uh, don't look at this and be like, man, my, I remember when I read it the first time, I'm like, I'm a wreck. Like every one of these areas I need help in. Look, just pick one, all right? Just pick one, all right? Just, just pick one. If you can do five at one time, great. But let's just, just pick one and, and take that next step of faith. Just ask God, you know, Holy Spirit, what are you doing in me? What are you doing in me? Uh, and it's a great thing, and God will honor that. So that's my encouragement to you, because it really is. You're going to see. I'm going to read just chapter one, a few verses, and you're going to see uh, how James is just so good about communicating. So if you got your Bibles, turn to James. Turn to James. Bring your Bibles, please. I love technology and digital. I think that's great too. But if I say turn to James and you don't have a Bible, you don't even know where James is. So that's why I'm saying bring your Bible. You get used to Hebrew, James, all right? You get used to where it's at. You know, with technology sometimes, the, the, the bad thing is, is you don't know where it's at in the Bible. So when you actually pick one up, you don't know where to go. So just, just an encouragement. Uh, bring a hard copy. It's always a good thing. Verse two of chapter one of James. Listen to this. My brethren, he's speaking to the church. He's speaking to believers. Count it all joy when he fall into various trials. I could stop right there and we could, I could share five-week message on this verse right here, right? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with not doubting, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let... Not the, that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Kick in the pants, isn't it? Look, these are verses that we can all relate to. And I think we're all at different places in our walk. Uh, so maybe you're here today and you haven't given your life to Jesus. You can do that today. Uh, you know, today's a, a phenomenal day. But I want to give you, I think James is a great book if you're a new believer as well. It just helps you take that next step. It helps you understand, you know, this is where I am. And you don't feel, have to feel shame or guilt. Uh, you know, understand that we all have this sinful nature. We, we have all had these kind of thoughts. Uh, I guarantee you that every single one of us in this room, when we're going through trials, we've complained. Anybody? You didn't start out going through a trial going, oh, great. You don't start out that way. 
you start out, it's all about us, isn't it? It's all about me. We complain. We're a victim. God, why me? Why are you doing this? Look, we all, so don't, I think sometimes uh, for me, when I was growing up in my faith, I felt bad because I didn't understand uh, you know, sometimes we make it like I'm the only one going through this, but every single one of us in this room has had that same thought in nature. So I just want to encourage you. It doesn't matter if you're day one in your faith, day 10, or you're 20 years in your faith and you've kind of grabbed hold of this principle. Uh, the truth is, is we just got to say, God, uh, what are you teaching me right now? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? Uh, so three points. First one is your focus. Uh, second point is refocus, and we'll talk about that in a second. And third point is his focus. So let me talk about your focus, because we just read a few verses here, and there's a lot of words uh, that we don't like in this verse. <laughs> we don't like. James doesn't care. He's going to tell you. He tells you, right? Let me sh show you one. Fall. You're going to fall into trials. You're going to fail. That's not a word we like today, is it? Like, we want everybody to win. There's no loser. Yes, there is. There's winners. There's losers. We make mistakes. We sin. We choose God sometimes. Look, we, you're gonna, you are going to fall into various trials. All of us will. I will. You will. Jesus Christ. If anybody was exempt from trials, it should be Jesus. He didn't sin. He was perfect. So if anyone is exempt from trials, it should have been him. And I'm not talking about physical trials. He went through those too. But he, he went through a lot of trials. People trying to stone him, push him off a cliff. He went through trials. And he said, in this world, there will be trouble. We're going to go through trials. Look, it's not that God is throwing you into trials purposefully. In fact, the reason why we have trials is because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. It wasn't God's plan from the beginning. Well, his plan is he's always right. But he didn't desire for us. Let me say it that way. He didn't desire for us to go through trials. But because we've sinned, now there's trouble, now there's sin, now there's a, uh, there's a deceptor, there's a, a deceiver. So there's going to be trials in all of our lives. We're all going to go through it. So fall isn't one. Trial isn't one we like. We don't like trials. Nobody likes to go through trials. How about this one? Testing. How many of you like to be tested? There's a few of you out there. Love test. Give me a test. I'm ready. Test. You and I are going to be tested for the rest of our days. We're going to be tested. How about lax? How many like lack? Anyone like lack? <laughs> not usually. Nobody likes to be in lack and, and not to have something. How about this one? Ask. You know, the only way we have faith in Jesus is because we ask. It's already been paid. It's already been purchased. Jesus did the hard work. We have to come to a place to ask him and say, Lord, I am sorry. I'm asking you to become Lord of my life. And that's not the only ask you're going to have. Jesus talked about it a lot, right? If you need something, ask. Knock, and I will answer. What he's saying is ask. Talk to me. He wants you to ask. But how many of us struggle asking Almost, you know what? A lot of the conditions that we have in our life are because we won't ask. A lot of us are depressed or upset or whatever you're going through. And here's the truth. If I, if I can be like James and be so blunt, a lot of our trials go on way too long because we don't ask. The reason why the Israelites 
wandered for 40 years? That's because they kept doing their thing. They didn't ask the Lord, they just kept doing their thing. And we do that too, I do that. Ask, that's a tough one, isn't it? Here's another one, doubting. None of us wanna be doubters, but we do, don't we? Doubting. In fact, we ask in doubting. James talks about that. We'll talk about that a little bit. Double-minded. How many of you want to stand before Jesus and say you're a double-minded man, double-minded woman? None of us do. But James is making it very clear. He's making it very abundant and very honest with us. And here's the last one, unstable. Unstable in all your ways, unstable in all that you do. Look, these aren't words that we appreciate or like or like to talk about very much. But guess who he's talking to? The church. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to church. He's talking to us. He's speaking to us. And the reality is all of us are going to fall or fail. All of us are going to have trials. All of us are going to be tested. All of us at times are going to have lack. All of us need to ask and talk to God. All of us are going to doubt at times. All of us are double-minded sometimes. And all of us are unstable in our thoughts sometimes. Is that true? So look, we're all on the same page. You're not better than me and I'm not better than you. And I love that James just is so real and he just puts it out there. He says, look, this is, this is something we're all going through. This is, but you gotta realize what you're focusing on because what you're focused on steals all your attention. And if you put your focus on the wrong things, all your attention is going to the wrong things. And the enemy knows that. So he's trying to get you distracted. He's trying to get you away from the Lord. You know, the number one principle, we, we share this a lot because it's a heartbeat of our church, is seek first the, and his, seek first him and his word, and he takes care of the rest. I don't even care how it's worded at the end. Seek first his kingdom and his word and his righteousness and his ways, his principles, his truth, and he'll take care of all of your needs. But notice the principle. This is what James is saying. Look, seek first God. Ask. Go. When you're going through your trials, understand. Look, a lot of times our focus is on why me? And look, if you're there, it's okay. It's okay. Don't look at, don't sit here and think, well, I'm just such a bad person because I have doubting. Look, we all have doubting. But what's your next step? What is God speaking to you? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Because he's speaking to you and to me. Conviction is a good thing. God doesn't condemn. We do that to ourselves and the enemy does that to us. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, but the Holy Spirit will absolutely convict you. And that conviction may not be there's a verse in the Bible that says this. For instance, there's not a verse in, the, verse in the Bible that says, John, you're using your iPhone too much. But there is a verse in the Bible that says, John, you're seeking other things than me first. So I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit can convict us and say, hey, you have the wrong focus. And we all get this focus. We all get the wrong focus. I don't care if you've been uh, following Jesus for one day or 40 years. This is written to believers. James is saying, hey, guys, Understand, we all have the same old man, old woman, the old self. We all have an old nature. That's why it's so, it's so important that we make sure our focus is on the right things. Second point is to refocus. James said this, he's the master of refocusing. Let's just use this uh, a couple, let me show you a couple passages. Now, Again, I, we're going to spend four weeks, and you're going to read it through James a couple times. But let me just show you a few refocuses. James chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. 
Now, I'm not going to give you the whole context or read the whole scripture. I'm going to encourage you to read it. I'll give you just a taste of it, but I want you to read it later. Verse 16 says this. So do not be misled. So the very fact that he's saying it says what? We can be misled. He says, don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect and is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in heavens, he never changes or casts a shifting cast a shifting shadow. He chooses to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Now that is a powerful verse. That's about refocusing. But you know what the verses before it are talking about? Temptation. It's about being tempted, and how all of us, all of us, me, you, we're all tempted. And we all have a desire inside of us. We all want to go, we have a pleasure or a desire or a thing that we want to do. And a lot of times that pleasure or desire is not God's desire for you. And this verse says, if you give in to your pleasures, you give in to your desires, you're going to begin to sin. And sin in itself is going to foster and grow inside of you so much so that sin can lead you to death. But James says, hey, it doesn't have to be that way. We have a good God. You can serve God in the middle of temptation. You can serve God even though you're being tempted. Look, you're going to be tempted for the rest of your life. Jesus was tempted. And what did Jesus do when he was tempted? He went to the Word. He went to Scripture. Sure, it would have sounded good if you could stand on the hill and say, look, this is all your kingdom. Look at how the enemy paints this deceptive picture. It's all his anyway. But Satan says, hey, look, stand. This could all be yours. And Jesus used scripture as his artillery. He won through the word of God. He, he won through his heart, through the heart of God, through knowing scripture and knowing the word. That's how he overcame temptation. A lot of times when we're tempted, and look, we're gonna go through temptation, but as you mature and grow, the temptation isn't as a big deal anymore. It's not that you won't ever be tempted again. For instance, a lot of times when you're going through trials and you're going through something difficult, you may turn to a substance which isn't helping you at all. You're just hurting yourself, but you turn to the substance thinking it's helping you. It's not helping you, it's hurting you. And it's not changing the trial, it's just making the trial longer and more complex and more involved, most likely. Instead of turning to the God that has all the answers for you. And the word, you know, Possibly the trial could end instantly just with one word from heaven. Or maybe the trial can end because you're taking the right step. You're saying, God, I'm trusting you. And I know I want to do that, but I'm choosing to die to myself. And I know what you have is better for me than what my pleasure or my desire wants. Here's the amazing thing about refocusing. Here's what James is saying is, we're followers. Now, I know we're leaders in the earth that we live in and in the churches that we live in, and for the kingdom, we're leaders. But at the end of the day, Jesus is the head. And we're followers, which means we have to trust and look to Jesus and look to the head and look for his answers and provisions and understanding and wisdom and direction. A lot of times, and this is what James is saying, he said, look, don't be misled. Because your flesh and my flesh is going to want to go this way. 
We all need God. And we all need in those moments that we're feeling temptation, if we don't know the word, we need to go to the word. If we don't know what Jesus' heart for us, we need to ask him or get around somebody that can help you. A lot of times we lose in temptation, we lose in those moments is when we isolate ourselves. And your flesh and the enemy and every, all the powers of hell are trying to get you to go this way. But you can win in temptation. Look, this, and this is what I love about refocusing. This is, James says, look, the, God is good. The Father made it all. Everything about him is good. He is never changing. You, God will never change. He's always the same. He's always consistent. Your temptation is going to change all the time, but God is going to be consistent. He doesn't shift like the shadows. He's not, uh, he's not like what you know on the earth. He's not like, listen, think about maybe you've been tempted. Maybe you've had a struggle. Maybe you've had a struggle with something for a few years. And this is what we do. Ah, it's just a little problem. I just struggle a little bit. But it's been 20 years. You've had the same struggle for 20 years. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's, he's speaking to us and James is speaking to us and said, you've been in bondage for 20 years. Don't you want to be free? The truth will set you free and you'll be free indeed. But it's going to take intentional, personal choices from you and from me. It's going to take an intentional, purposeful decision to say, God, I'm a follower. You're the Lord and I'm your disciple. I'm your son and I'm your daughter. And God, I know you know what's best for me. I know everything about you is good. I know that you'll never change and everything about you is, is good and it's a blessing for me. But my flesh wants to go over here. I really want to do that again. You are not a heathen if you think that way. Too many believers say, ah, I'm just a sinner. Not if you're a follower of God, you're not a sinner anymore. Yes, you can sin, but it's your choice. That's what we're saying. Let's refocus because I'm not following the old man anymore. I'm following the Lord Jesus now. And that means I have to choose to die to myself every day. That's why Luke says daily. Daily you have to pick up your cross and follow me. This is what James is saying. Refocus, please refocus. Just because you're saved and you're part of the body doesn't mean that you, you are going to go through temptation, but we have a good God. We have a good Father that made it all, that created it all, that never changes and got good plans to prosper you and bless you. Go to Him. Go to Him. Here's another, here's another great verse of refocus. James chapter 3. And I, I love how this is worded in the NLT, so I'm going to read out there. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it. I love that. Prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Now, it's not saying you have to do a million good works because we'll talk about that in another week because James talk, does an amazing teaching on good works and faith. Yet we're so confused in the church about good works and faith. But James makes it abundantly clear about both. So we're gonna talk about that another day. But he says this in verse 17 about wisdom. But wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It's peace-loving. It's gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy, fruits of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. 
always sincere. Now, this verse is rooted in, do you know where wars come from? Do you know where fighting comes from? Us. It comes from our sin and our flesh and our desire to always be right. Our desire to win, and it's all about what I want. Is that very humble? No. God says, look, if you want wisdom, humble yourself. Die to yourself. Look to me. Seek me. If you want wisdom from heaven, first of all, all you got to do is ask, but this is what wisdom from heaven looks like. It's pure. It's gentle. It's good. It's thinking about others. It's sincere. Have you ever heard something from God and wondered, is that from God? Here's an amazing verse. To, here's an amazing litmus test right here. Because here's what he says. Wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. Is it pure? Is it peace-loving? Is it gentle? Is it willing to yield to others? Is it full of mercy? Is it full of good deeds? Does it show favoritism or is it always sincere? Here you go. That's a great litmus test, isn't it? Because if you're receiving wisdom to say something negative or hurt somebody, you can say that's not from the Lord. If you're hearing something that says to do something that's not of God, you can know. You can look at this and say, that's not wisdom from heaven. That's not wisdom from above. James chapter four, verses four through seven says this. Here's another refocus. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes an enemy of God? I say it again. Let me say it twice, just in case you didn't hear. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy to God. Do you know who else said that? Jesus, his brother, Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You're going to hate one and be loyal to the other. Here's James saying, look, you can't love, make your world your friend. You're going to be an enemy with God, which is the exact same thing Jesus said, just in a different way. They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him, and he gives grace generally. As scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. A very, very, very famous, famous verse that a lot of people know. Humble yourself, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. But the context of this the context of this verse is, look, we can be in the world, but not of the world. And how many of us, my hand's way up there, have got caught in the trap of, I love what's in the world more than the God that I'm following. We get caught up, and, and the enemy knows that. He's trying to ensnare you with all these fancy whatevers. He's trying to entangle you, ensnare you. But James repeats what Jesus said. Look, God's got to be first. Seek first the kingdom. Don't buy in. Don't be misled. Or, look, sometimes we need that conviction. Look, you're not focused on the right things. You're worshiping a piece of steel, a piece of metal, a tree. Now, maybe you won't say it that way, but all your focus is on that. Jesus said, I know where your treasure will be. I'll know your treasure. I'll know where your heart will be. I'm so thankful that as people, we, we like to look at each other and we try to judge and we try to do that. But look, God knows. God knows if you're humbling yourself. God knows if you're following him. God knows if you're committed to him. He knows and he's watching. And a lot of times our messed up minds 
our old self gets in and says, well, God's watching so he can get me. No, he's not. No, he's not. That's not what these verses said. Let me read one more verse and then I'll give you his focus. Romans 12, one and two. Great verse to put on your heart. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. By the way, this is how you sacrifice today, is you. It's the way you live. It's what you do. Everything that you do is worship. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Refocus, renew, that you may prove what is all good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The only way you do that is with the scriptures, the word. You know, I, I'm, I'm amazed. I was one of those people, by the way. Following God, but knew nothing about scripture. And it's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? I truly wanted God, and maybe you do too. You truly want God in your heart. But I'm too busy to read his word. I can't find time. I'm too busy. I don't like to read. We make a lot of excuses, don't we? This is it. This is how you know the Lord. This is how we walk. This is how we live. Yes, God can speak to you. The Holy Spirit can speak to you audibly. He can put things in your heart. But you know what? It, it always aligns with his word. And it's dangerous. It, it is dangerous. For somebody to tell you something, to hear something, you don't know the word, and they tell you something that sounds like God, and you believe it, and then you start following it, and you find out it's not the word at all. Because that's what the enemy did. He used scripture towards Jesus. He used his, the own, his own word of God. Jesus is the word. He is this word. And here he is standing from the enemy, and the enemy is trying to twist the very word that Jesus is. He is such a master manipulator. So it's so important, James is saying, it's so important that you refocus your thought, your attention, your desires. When you're saying you die to yourself, yourself may be saying, I don't want to read today. God, even though I don't want to, I'm just, even if it's just one verse. Look, don't beat yourself up. I didn't pray for an hour today. Look, it's okay. One step, where are you at? Just take the step. Maybe it's reading the word. Maybe it's praying. Maybe today that when you're, maybe you're in the mind of a trial and you are not joyful at all. Let's start to refocus. Let's start to ask the Lord, Lord, what's your focus? You know, this is a great scripture out of 2 Chronicles, verses 16. And, uh, and I, I really took this scripture wrong uh, for a lot of my faith. It says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Now, I don't know how I messed it up, but I took that as God's watching me, and he's out to get me. That's not what it says. Now, you can read the rest later, because the next word, the dot, 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 loyal to him, is you fool. I think I focused too much on the you fool part, okay? But God said, I'm looking for people that are loyal to me, that are following me. It doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. Okay, we're going to mess up from time to time. There's only one perfect one, and that's Jesus. But when your heart is loyal and committed to following Jesus, look, you're going to begin to make more right choices. You're going to begin to do more good things. It's not about 
doing good things to get something. It's about doing good things because you have a good God and you want nothing more than to live like he wants you to live. You want his heart. It's a good relationship. Look, that's his focus. He wants nothing more than to talk to you, to ask. And sure, you're gonna stumble, but look, that's why Jesus said there's so many great scriptures we can, look, come and cast your cares upon me. If you mess up, look, come talk to me. Don't run away from me. Don't hide in the bush like Adam and Eve. Isn't it interesting? We like to hide in the bush and God's chasing after you going, Adam, not like he knew where he was. It would not be fun to play hide and seek with Jesus. <laughs> but that's what we do, right? Oh, I gotta put some fig leaves on and hide. Do you think he doesn't know? All he's asking for you, look, come talk to me. If you messed up, confess it. Confess it. As believers, we don't like to talk. Repent, confess. Yes, say I'm sorry. Lord, I messed up. I know it wasn't your heart. Lord, thank you that by your blood I'm forgiven. Thank you for forgiving me. I'm renewing my mind. I'm I'm refocusing at what I see and what your heart is. I won't do it again. I'll do my best not to do it again. That's how good God is. You see, sometimes we focus on the wrong portion of Scripture. I focus on you, fool. God's out to get me. But God's saying, no, I'm, I'm just looking for people, for believers, the followers that are loyal to me, that are committed to me. Look, they may get it wrong. David got it wrong a lot. And God said, this is a man after my own heart. Look, you're going to get it wrong from time to time. Let's not focus on getting it wrong. Let's focus on God. Thank you for saving me. I want nothing more than to die to myself every day. And if I can do that well, if I can die to myself every day and I can humble myself and I can look to you and your word and I can understand you, then I can know what decisions to make. Even when my old self and my flesh pops up and says, hey, I like this over here, God, I know your heart and I'm gonna choose you. I'm dying to my desires and my pleasures and I'm choosing you. And guess what? It's not a killjoy. It's the best thing ever. It's a blessing to serve Jesus. It's fun to serve Jesus. Guess what? You have a miracle working God that always always stuns you the pleasure doesn't stun you the desire doesn't stun you it may be okay for a moment but guess what there's hurt and pain and lies associated with it when you talk to the eternal living God it's always mind-blowing he's always blowing you away and this is what James is talking about look understand his focus is to help you to bless you Look at this verse, and we'll kind of close with this. Uh, We're going to read the same verse, but I want you to, uh, maybe you're like me and you seem to focus on the wrong things. Let me help you see. So go back to James. Hebrew, James, there we go. My brother, count it all joy. Is that just a piece of it? When you're going through a trial, do you just, it says count it all joy, the whole thing. Why? Why? Look at what God says. Look at what James is telling you. When you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. How many of you heard this teaching, which, by the way, is just junk? Don't ever pray for patience. (laughs) Don't ever say that again. You know why? Because you're probably going to have to go through 20 more trials till you learn a lesson. God uses trials. He uses trials in which... We're to look at the trial as 
God, what are you teaching me? Here's, here's the joy. Lord, what are you saying and what I'm going through? And look, we're all, we all have different trials. You have different things that you're going on to. So what I'm going through may not apply to you. But at the end of the day, I can look at his focus and say, Lord, you're using this. There's something you're teaching me as I go through this. And I may not like what's in the trial or the parameters or the things that are happening in the trial, but I know you're doing something in me. So God, I'm looking at this as joyful because you're produced, there's something you're producing in me that I don't have today. That when I go through a trial, there's something in you that you're lacking today that God's gonna produce something in you and most of the time it's patience. God's producing patience in you. And the way he does that is while you're in the trial, he's testing you. Not testing you so you fail. Look, that's the way I used to look at it, but refocus. He's testing so you can succeed. So you can get it right. That's why he's testing you. So you can succeed. So he can mature and continue to trust you with more. So you can be that greater follower each step of the way. Look, the disciples had this happen to them, right? The disciples were praying. They were, I think they were casting a demon out of somebody, if I, if I remember it correctly, right? Somebody had a demon and they, they needed help. And they came to the disciples, asked them to cast them out, and they, and they couldn't, Remember? They couldn't, and everybody was frustrated. The disciples were frustrated. The person that had the demon was frustrated, and Jesus showed up and said, hey, the reason why this didn't happen was because of prayer and fasting. So now you may be thinking, well, okay, so I gotta pray this long and fast this long for this to happen. No, that's not what Jesus was saying. What Jesus was saying is, you tried to cast out the demon on your own will and your own fruition. You didn't talk to me. You didn't ask me. You didn't pray. You didn't take time to just to, to fast. You know, maybe God used fasting to show you something new. But you didn't even ask. You just tried to look at that demon and say, get out. In my name, please, go. That does not work. Usually the demon will jump on you. That's not scriptural. I'm just playing. But I'm just saying that Jesus is saying, hey, guys, you're going through this trial so I can teach you something. And sometimes you've got to be patient. Sometimes you've got to swallow your words for a second and listen to what I'm saying. The only way to cast out demons, the only way to make heaven move is to go to the Lord. He's the Lord. We're not the Lord. He's the Lord. I'm following you. So when he said, look, pray and fast, what he's saying is spend some time with me. And focus on what's important. Probably, they're like us, right? They needed to fast because maybe they were focused on the wrong thing. And Jesus said, look, just put it down so you can hear what I'm saying. Focus on the heavenlies for a second. You have someone with a demon. My desire is for that person, first of all, to be totally free and delivered. But secondly, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. He's not stronger than you. But you've got to be connected to the vine. You've got to seek first the kingdom of God. Amen. And this is what Jesus was saying was, keep my focus, guys. And that's what he's saying to us. Keep, keep my focus. You're going to go through a trial. And through that trial, consider it joy, Lord. And that's hard to do, isn't it? I don't care if you've been saved 20 years. As you're going through that, Lord, you're doing something in me through this trial. And help me understand it. And as you do, and as, you, as he tests you, and as you make these decisions, as you, as you trust God, and you begin to make the decisions that he would make, he produces patience in you. 
So the next time you're in trial, it's not going to be as big of an issue because you already have a stronger relationship with God. You already have a trust in this area because you've seen him answer time and time again in different ways, in different scenarios. He's producing patience. Now watch this. Now, again, this doesn't ha- it's not like one trial or 10 or 20. This happens. It, it really is a maturity. It's, it's a seasoning of your life. It says, but let patience have its perfect work that you may perfect and complete and lack nothing. Imagine after, how many of you guys have, you know, have you ever taken a test and bombed it? Yeah? Have you ever taken the same test again? Got a little better? If you took that test over and over and over and over again, guess what? You're going to ace it. You probably won't have to study for the next one because you're going to know. And this is what God's saying. Trial after trial, I'm testing. Watch and see that I perfect See that I don't make you lack. There's going to be no lack because you're going to know my heart. You're going to know the decision. You're going to know who I am. You're going to know what, what I have for you. And you're going to make that decision all day long. And so I don't know where you're at today, but I pray this is encouraging for you. Following Jesus gets so much better. It's always evolving. You're always learning. You're always growing. But every trial and every test, God is He's moving in you. He's maturing you. And if you lack wisdom, and I love this part about the scriptures, if you lack any wisdom, because how many know if you go through a trial, you need some wisdom? If you're going through something, you need some wisdom. Listen, wisdom is a human issue, not a God issue. It's a human issue. We lack wisdom. He does not. Why do we have such a hard time asking? A God that knows everything. Yet we're in the middle of a trial, maybe even, uh, as Eric said, in the valley of the shadow of death, the worst time of your life. You don't have to wait till you get there, by the way. You could have asked a long time ago, but sometimes that's where we've got to be. Because humbling ourselves, I'd rather humble myself than have God humble me. But either way, God loves you enough that he's going to reveal himself to you. And this is what James is saying. Part of His focus is we've got to humble ourselves on a regular basis, on a daily basis. And by the way, if you need anything at all, if you lack any wisdom, just ask. I'll give it to you. Liberally, which there's enough to go around. I'm going to give you everything I have. Every resource in heaven is available to you. Just ask. Ask. And I think this is the part that God really wants to encourage you. And maybe you're here, like, how do I ask without doubting? It's a good question. But this is the piece where I want to encourage you. Just take one step today. Just take one step. If it's salvation, take the step. Make Jesus Lord of your life. Make him Lord of your life. Today, if you're coming back to God, look, come back to him. He's watching to and fro for those that are loyal and committed to him. He's not looking for people that are going to flake out. He's looking for people that love him and are followers of him. And he's going to use those people all day long. For those people, nothing. He's given you the keys of the kingdom. The gates of hell will not prevail against his church, will not prevail against you. Your eternity is never a question when you're a follower of Christ. And so God has just encouraged you to take that next step. Look, I doubted, you doubted. You doubted over here, right? We've all doubted before. You know what the number one, uh, I guess, cure of doubting is? Trusting. It's going through the trial, asking God, God, show me. 
Help me take that next step. God, I don't understand what I'm going through and going to his word and seeing that God is faithful, that he doesn't change, that he's always faithful, that he, there's, there's no shadow of variation, that God is right on all the time in every situation. And when you see a God like that, you can trust. Your doubt begins to get less and less. But you may be here today doubting. It's okay, take a step. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're going through something in life right now. You just need to see God show up. I am telling you he'll show up if you'll ask. You know, another great verse in James, the prayers of the righteous avail much. You see, if you just trust God and you begin to pray and ask and talk and follow, 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 even when your old man is saying go this way or even all you know is saying I want this, but God... I'm seeing you say, look, I I need to speak differently. I need to treat people differently. I need to look at trials differently. I need to refocus all of those things. Just, look, take one of them and start to see God be faithful in maturing you, perfecting you, giving you patience, producing something in you today that you don't have. And so if that's you today, I just want to encourage you to take this step. Trust him. Trust him. Stand on your feet. I just want to pray with you this morning. Look, every eye closed. If you're here today and you haven't given your life to Jesus and you want to do that, that's your step. I would just encourage you to do so. Look, just right there in your seat, I would just say, make it your own words. I can't save you. There's no one in this room that can save you. Only Jesus can save you. And simply, Scripture says, humble yourself, repent, say, Lord, I am sorry, and I want to make you Lord of my life. And God knows. He knows your heart. Instantly, he knows your heart. And watch and see that God won't begin to change, refocus you, reshape you. Yes, we need each other. Yes, we need the word. That's why I love Sundays. We need to be encouraged. We need to be around others that are focused on the same thing. But I believe today's your day. Look, don't wait. There's no reason to wait. You have a good God that loves you, that died for you. And if you're here today, this morning, and you're just coming back to God, that's why you're here. What an amazing miracle that this message was for you. It was for me too, but it was for you. And so come back to him. He's not disappointed in you. Look, he knew this happened. He knew that you would fall away, but he's still here and he still loves you. He hasn't given up on you. His grace is sufficient for you. Don't say, I'm, I'm such a sinner, I'm not good enough. None of us are good enough. That's the point. We all need Jesus. Just ask him right there, Lord, I'm coming back. I'm like one of the 99, I got lost, but thank you for finding me today. Lord, I just thank you for this church, for every person, Lord. They're all important, they're all valuable to you. Lord, if there's anybody here that's going through a trial, they don't understand it. Maybe they don't look at it as joy yet. They don't consider it as joy. Holy Spirit, speak to them. And Lord, if they need an answer, Lord, I pray they would ask you today. They'd humble themselves, submit to God. Come to the Holy God and say, Lord, I, I don't get it. I don't know where, which way's up, which way's down. I can't pay the bills today. I don't, I don't understand. Holy Spirit, would you speak to them in a way that only you can? Give them the answer. Give them the assurity. Give them the embrace, the love. Show them that 
you're proud of them for trusting. You're proud of them for taking this step. You're not mad at them. You're not angry at them. You're waiting for this moment for them to humble themselves, to come to a place and say, God, I need you. And Lord, we know, we know emphatically you're answering. You're answering, you're answering. This trial will end. And Lord, there'll be others, but they're gonna trust you in a new way. And so Lord, we're so thankful that you were the example. We're so thankful that you led us so well, that you died on the cross for our sins and our mistakes. But Lord, you also sent us the Holy Spirit to overcome. We are more than overcomers, Lord, because you overcame the world. We love you. We thank you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. Let's worship together. And I'm gonna have our prayer teams come up if you want prayer. But take some time, worship, talk to God. If you need to give your life to Jesus, come back to Jesus. Or there's something that you're going through, talk to him right now. And then let's come and pray. There's power in agreement in prayer. Prayer is a beautiful, it's our, it's our cornerstone, it's our faith, it's something that we can all unite our face together. So if you need prayer, we want to pray for it. We love you, let's worship together.